This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. From the Bay Bridges to the Desert Ridges... It's never been sweeter to say those words. I am Blair Angulo, joined by national recruiting editor Brandon Huffman for 24-7 Sports. But better yet, he's also the co-host of this podcast. The West of the Rest is back, Brandon. Unlike Texas, we are back, Blair. We are back. The sweet sounds of the ukulele means one thing and one thing only, Blair. Our long national nightmare is over. It is over, and it's it's been quite a while. And uh, as the listeners of this feed, the twenty four seven Sports Football Recruiting Podcast, know we had a, a few separate, different podcasts operating. We we joined them all together into one feed. Uh, but now that we're kind of in a rhythm and we've found our footing in a way as a podcast group, we've been able to introduce and bring back some of the concepts and some of the shows that we uh, were building towards. And so it's going to be a lot of fun to have this show on this feed every Monday. We're still going to have the Tuesday and Thursday recruiting episodes, the five-minute morning on Wednesdays. But on Mondays, you could expect to have a a long and up-to-date look at the left coast recruiting with Brandon Huffman and myself, Blair Angulo. So first of all, thank you so much for joining us. This is your first time listening to the show. Thank you so much. Please leave a review and, and add those five stars wherever you find your podcast. Brandon, there's a lot to discuss because there's so much happening out West. You know, say what you will about the Big Ten and the ACC and the SEC and and, and for good reason, right? Th- those conferences at the moment are spearheading the sport. They are leading the conversation. They're at the forefront of recruiting specifically, right, with the five stars and even drawing attention and drawing interest from the prospects in other regions. But I I don't think there was a better time for us to bring this show back, considering all the stuff that has been going on out West. Well, and I think that, you know, there has never been a better time. I mean, you you look at the Pac-12 was quite the story this offseason, whether it was the coaching changes, whether it was the coaching circuit, transfer portal, I, I know I mocked Sam Ellinger with all due respect to one of the greatest sound bites of college football. It may be premature to say the Pac-12 is back, and I think most would scoff at that, but there at least are some signs of life there that the Pac-12 will be a factor moving forward. Now, it may not be top to bottom like other conferences, but there's no reason to think that the Pac-12 cannot get back into the college football playoff conversation. There's no reason to think that the Pac-12 cannot have three or four schools be in contention for top 25 recruiting classes and have a school maybe be in contention for the top recruiting class and transfer portal. There's a lot of guys that are leaving their destinations to come to the West Coast to play. So there's at least some signs of life that the Pac-12 might be at least trending towards the right direction. We're going to have a lot to discuss every Monday here on this show because 
Lincoln Riley is now in Los Angeles, if you didn't hear, Brandon. And that has brought a new dynamic, not only to California, but the West Coast, but to the narrative that had been building for the last few cycles and probably dating back to five or six years, which is that the top players, the the most talented prospects within the region were looking elsewhere. They were going to Ohio State. They were going to Alabama. They're going to Georgia. And that still might be the case, but I do think now with what we've seen from Lincoln Riley early on in the 2023 class, the way he was able to close in 2022, and the involvement of the transfer portal, it does give USC, it gives the Trojans a, a bit of a different look now because I, I think they've always been considered that school that needs to step up its recruiting. It needs to carry its own weight to elevate the conference to bring the Pac-12 to that echelon that some of the other programs and other conferences are in. But I do feel like now Lincoln Riley gives some validity and there's going to be a lot of very interesting recruiting battles, in my opinion. Well, I think that, you know, fair or unfair, the Pac-12 is judged by USC status on field in the fall in their recruiting efforts in the offseason. If USC is not recruiting well, then the perception is the Pac-12 can't keep players. If the US, if USC is not playing well, then the perception is the Pac-12 isn't a contender. And, and ironically, USC hasn't been a playoff school at all during the inception of the NCAA college football playoff. They haven't even been in contention for a national championship since, you know, the BCS was still kicking around in, in its late years, or I guess mi- middle years before we started going to a fifth playoff game. I mean, that's all it's been. Oregon and Washington have both been playoff schools. Oregon and Washington have done a lot of heavy lifting in recruiting in the conference over the last six, seven, eight years. And the funny thing is that you watch when Lincoln Riley comes to USC. You then see a week later, Mario Cristobal goes down to Miami. There were many people that thought, well, Mario didn't want to hang against USC with Lincoln Riley there. So what does Oregon go do? They go hire a coach who hasn't been a head coach, but he's known to be a great recruiter and hires a tremendous recruiting staff. So it's very obvious, very clear that schools are now arming themselves to at least compete with USC, a very seriously taking recruiting USC that didn't seem to be the case last year's on the Clay Hilton. And everybody is responding to what USC is doing from a head coaching standpoint, from a recruiting standpoint, from an NIL standpoint, from a marketing standpoint, from a transfer portal standpoint. And it's almost like now the Pac-12 realizes we've got to get serious again. And it all kind of took USC going and making one of the most gigantic coaching changes in at least recent college football history and getting Lincoln Riley away from Oklahoma. Oregon had secured three straight number one classes among those Pac-12 schools and had been contending for top five classes nationally. And we know that the talent is on that roster. They have guys up and down that board. They have guys on the depth chart that, you know, typically we we wouldn't see at a place like Oregon. And with the way that Dan Lanning comes in with a defensive mindset, the way that they he's been able to build that staff with a number of high-profile recruiters, I don't think it's going to be a given that Lincoln Riley is going to catapult USC to that top spot in the Pac-12. Now, it's going to be tough. To, to overtake USC already because they have three five stars in the 2023 class to kick things off. That's Malachi Nelson at quarterback. And then the two receivers, Makai Lemon and Zachariah Branch. It's going to be tough to get there, but I, I don't think it's going to be a given. And, and I think that's what's making things very interesting for me, specifically when I look at some potential battles down the road. I'm, I'm looking at mm-hmm. what, what these two teams are going to have to show on the field and 
with new staffs in place and with new coaches and new directions of each program, I tend to side with the Ducks. I, I know that might be a little bit controversial, but I think I tend to side there in terms of seeing immediate dividends because they are in better shape to perform on the field and to attract recruits on the field than USC is. I, I do think USC has a lot of issues, especially on the defensive side of the ball, and they might not be as successful early on as as perhaps a Dan Landing could be. I think when you, you like you said, they, I mean, they've got a roster that's been built. I was talking to some Pac-12 coaches, and it, it's clearly obvious where USC realized they needed to hit hard was the transfer portal. It was recruiting efforts were almost, you know, all for naught in the 2022 cycle. Yes, they were able to keep Damani Jackson back in after he decommitted. They were able to get Zion Branch. They were able to flip Relique Brown. But their high school recruiting classes still weren't great in terms of what we expect from USC. So they hit the portal hard. Now, they hit the portal harder and better than anybody has done it with Caleb Williams, with Mario Williams, with, with Shane Lee, even going in conference, getting a Terrell Bino away from Washington, a Austin Jones from Stanford. They did a fantastic job in the portal, but that was a roster that needs a quick fix immediately, whereas Oregon's roster has been built like a program that's been recruiting and taking it seriously the previous four or five years. So they still end up with a top 15, top 20 class in the Pac-12, a class that could have been top 10. They lost some, some key guys, but they were able to rally and get some guys. And, you know, we're, we're still, it's interesting, even though the 2022 cycle for the most part is done, we're still going to get a chance to kind of see those two schools go against each other. We've also got Washington in the mix there, but it's for Josh Connerly, the number one offensive tackle in the country. In the 2022 class, he's the number one player on the West Coast, uh, much like the previous number one player out West, who was the number one player in the country, JT Tumolowal, he's pushed his decision back, but he'll have a decision made likely in March. But USC and Oregon will both get the official visits from him in the month of March. They're going to get the last two shots. They still have Oklahoma, Miami, and Michigan that are battling, but we're going to get to see a good battle of, hey, Adrian Clem, who had a great run at UCLA as a recruiter, and now Josh Henson, who had been at Texas A&M, was part of a, a generational recruiting class with some of the offensive linemen they were bringing, bringing in. You know, you got Lincoln Riley against Dan Lanning. You get, you know, two Pac-12 schools that are going to be battling not just for LA kids, but for national kids, Western kids. And I think that's going to be a fascinating, just kind of a fascinating thing to watch. But, you know, yes, USC had Elijah Vera Tucker and Austin Jackson go in the first round. Oregon had Panay Sewell go in the first round the last couple of years. So both have had their success. But like you said, just going back to the original point, Oregon's roster, I think, is better in terms of the depth in their own recruits that they brought in. Yeah, yeah. And I think they have skill players. They have the defense that I think is a little bit better suited to compete and to perform uh, early on in, in the tenures for these coaches. It's not just USC. It's not just Oregon. We're going to continue the discussion of the Pac-12 and recalibrating the situation out West with Brandon Huffman. I am Blair Angulo. We're taking a short break. You're listening to the West of the Rest podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. 
Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. We are back on the West of the Rest podcast. I am Blair Angulo, joined by National Recruiting Editor and the co-host of this show, Brandon Huffman. Brandon, you joked a little bit about Sam Ellinger earlier. You know, we're back, all that. This has been in the works for quite a bit. I know that people don't obviously get to read our, our messages or our replies or, or our, you know, our kind of our DMs, but we've been hearing from several of our listeners and, and uh, you know, people asking us when this show is going to be back. And, and I thought that it'd be really interesting with the cycle in its early stages here in 2023 to, to reintroduce th- this, this idea that recruiting beyond the South and, and the East Coast and all that, it, it exists. And there's a, a big lifeblood that I think people have maybe overlooked in a sense over the last few years. Uh, and there's a lot of interest, I think, in what recruits are doing out West. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it's no coincidence that when the West of the rest went away, the world was in a pandemic. The Pac-12 was out of it in terms of its college football relevance. Now that we come back kind of at the same time, it's, you know, maybe there's a correlation there. Worst case, you've got schools that are finally taking things seriously again in the region. There is a need. You know, when we were doing this, Blair, I mean, how many times did we spend episodes talking about, well, if the West Coast could actually keep these kids, but this guy's going this way. Well, if the West Coast could actually keep this kid, it, you know, then that cycle when the West of the West run away, you had JT Tumalau and Emeka Buku go to Ohio State. You know, you, you had, you know, other players that, that was coming off the year, Keely Ringo. Went to Georgia. Shoot, Brock Bowers went to Georgia. Dejon Robinson went to Texas. And it, the West Coast was bleeding. Is there signs that the West Coast can now start to keep these players? Yes, but national interest in what's going on in the West. So many schools are recruiting the West. The Heisman Trophy winner in 2021 is a Southern California. You know, the Rose Bowl quarterback who set records in that game, was a Heisman finalist, was a Southern California quarterback. So it's clear that there's a national perception that West Coast kids are leaving. But, you know, we're here to say maybe the tides are starting to turn a little bit, folks. Yeah, I do think that things are going to be a little bit more interesting. There's different looks now that that recruits can take at some of these schools. Just look at a place like Arizona, which is is, is fresh off of a really impressive recruiting class. You look at new uh, coaches uh, up at Washington, you know, up at Washington State, kind of the changes that have been taking place across the Pac-12. And that's besides the, the fact that Utah won the Pac-12 and is coming off of a Rose Bowl appearance and looked really, really good against Ohio State. I mean, that game could have gone either way, uh, in my opinion. So I, I think there's a lot of variance and there's a lot of options. And there now is, I think, a refocus from a lot of these staffs. A lot of the attention is being paid to uh, the recruits out West. But I, I did want to discuss with you, Brandon, a little bit more uh, about Washington because that's a, a new staff. Jimmy Lake is, is gone and they get to, to start fresh. And it's it's a, you know, kind of an interesting thing for me to look at their position among the elite in the Pac-12. They were right there, it, it seemed like, right for a couple of years. They were, you know, kind of battling nationally. They were playing some big time games. They were, you know, winning some close matchups. They were competing head to head against Oregon for a lot of recruits. And, you know, you, you always sense that 
the Huskies were right there had Chris Peterson, you know, maybe stayed a little longer or, uh, you know, a thing had gone here or there in their case, uh, they would have had a, a kind of a better shot to really catapult themselves into the national spotlight. Now, you know, Coach DeBoer is there arriving from Fresno State and they're trying to recapture some of that energy that I think has been missing the last two years. And I think, you know, you, you look at kind of the, the 2020-2021 cycle where Washington has the, the- departure of Chris Peterson at the end of the 2019 season. Now they get their 2020 class. They hold that one together. They're able to keep the Galaxy Bell Smalls in Washington. Then 2021 hits and Jimmy Lake's taking over, but then there's the pandemic wiping out the dead period. It wipes out the eval period. Wipes out most of the season. And now JT Tumaloa and Emeka Buka don't know exactly what the program's going to look like. So they end up at an Ohio State. Then in 2022, it's a absolute <laughs> terrible season at Washington. And that Josh Connerly, a Seattle kid to the core, you would have thought they'd be able to keep, is now looking at five other schools. He's looking at Washington, but right now I'd say they're third in the Pac-12 between Oregon and, and USC. Then they have a generational offensive line class, and they unless they get Connerly, are going to go 0 for 5 on those guys, have had commitments from two of them at one point, in Mark Nabu, who ends up at Texas A&M, Vega Ione, who ended up at Penn State. They never really make a big push for Davey Lee, who goes to Oregon, Malik Ogbo, who goes to Texas. And now you've got DeBoer coming in, and he's got to find a way to pick up the pieces quickly as Oregon and Washington are pilfering Washington, as the rest of the country is starting to make it. So, Kalen Moore is going to have his work cut out for him, but I like what his plan is. I like what his staff is doing. They did a good job at Fresno State. They did a good job in, in really fitting pieces in there. And if they can you know, pull a stunner off and keep Josh Connolly, then that gives them momentum going into 23, where there's another good in-state group. But right now, even those five, six guys in-state in the top three, uh, top two, four, seven, they're all looking elsewhere. So DeBoer definitely has some pieces to pick up from the previous regime. But I think that with the staff he's got in place, with the director player personnel he's got in Courtney Morgan, the Huskies do have a fighting chance, at least to, to you know have a pulse in that top four or five classes in the Pac-12. Speaking of a pulse, Arizona parlayed one victory on the field into a top 25 class nationally and the number two class in the Pac-12 for the 2022 class rankings, according to the composite. Do you feel like that's sustainable for, for the Wildcats? Do you see Jetfish continuing to maybe get into some homes and have some meetings with recruits that they typically might not have a chance for? Or, or do you feel like this is a really good start to what could be if they're able to show a little bit more life on the field? I think it's a good start. Whether they can sustain it or not is up for debate. But what they were able to do is they were able to show that we, you know, when a new coach comes in, a lot of times they say, hey, you can come be a part of something new. Help us build what we're building. And then you turn on a product and you see, hey, this program's going nowhere. And that's what Arizona showed this year. They were going nowhere on the field as a season. But they were so, so young. They were killed with depth, the lack of depth, that I think recruits really did genuinely look at Arizona going, man, I could go there and I could play early and I really can be the guy that turns that program around. And getting a guy like Tatora McMillan, I mean, Noah Fafita, Keon Burnett, Jacob Manu, but then Tatora McMillan to get him, all four of those guys from Servette, guys that helped build the culture where Servette was a once proud program, then they had fallen a bit in the Trinity League. Now it's obviously a much bigger step doing that at a Pac-12 school, but the buy-in that he was able to get with those guys, with the buy-in with other guys, and then even with the transfer portal that they've hit, there's this energy and this excitement and this rejuvenation. It reminds me a little bit of when Steve Sarkeesian took over at Washington in 2009, where you know they were at rock bottom at Washington the year before going 0-12. 
They bring in Jed Fish, who was a first-time head coach, long-time coordinator. Sark comes in, brings in a staff that's full of recruiters, and basically says, we've got to build this thing from the ground up. And now you also throw in the portal where you can make the fix quicker. I think there is reason for optimism in Arizona, but they're going to have to start winning games on the field pretty quickly to sustain that. We talked a little USC, we talked some Oregon, we touched on Washington and Arizona, and and that's what, only a third of the Pac-12. There's so many more conversations for us to have. And hey, if you're from the East Coast, or you're from the South, or from Texas, or the Midwest, or somewhere else, and and we know your guilty pleasure, we know you stay up on Saturday (laughs) nights for some of that Pac-12 after dark, we know that after the kids go to bed on those Thursdays and Fridays, you're tuning in and watching the mayhem that is the Pac-12. So what better way to catch up on what's happening in the conference than when sticking with us here on the West of the Rest podcast, where we break down some Pac-12 recruiting, West Coast recruiting, Mountain West, everything in between. Brandon, I am pumped. I am excited and I am thrilled to continue to have these conversations with you because it's. It, I think it's a lot of fun to harvest interest in a product that for for sure is national and people i think kind of have to get a little bit more in tune with i think so and i think that again the timing has never been better there is a peak interest in the pac-12 we found a lot of new visitors from norman oklahoma that are hate going to be hate watching the pac-12 these next couple <laughs> of years and you know i know that our good, good friend ryan abraham chris Savino are having fun with that fan base but i think there finally is going to be reason to watch these games from a relevant national standpoint instead of just being that late night guilty pleasure that really doesn't have any effect on your everyday life. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to continue to break things down with you, Brandon. And for our listeners, I appreciate all of you for for sticking with us. We are back, baby, on Mondays every week here on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast feed. Brandon, anything else before we go? Hey, unlike what Texas proclaimed in a few years ago, this time we really are back, folks. We're back.